Hi Church, welcome again to our online services here at the Cornerstone. And uh, this is a special weekend and firstly on behalf of the pastors and the staff of Cornerstone, we want to wish everyone a blessed Lunar New Year. You know, this year's Chinese New Year celebrations are going to be a little bit muted, but it doesn't stop us from caring for our loved ones and touching base with them. And we want to strongly encourage you to observe uh, safe management, uh, safe distance uh, measures, but at the same time, not to neglect our family members and our relatives. Make sure that we call them, video call them, you know, and uh, convey our greetings to them. Uh, you have loved ones that do not yet know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. I wanna, we just want to really encourage you to take some time this season to remember them and to pray for them by name. You know, we got to know this, that our prayers are effective and God hears them and in His time, He will answer those prayers. Amen. Now, even though this is a Chinese New Year weekend, uh, instead of speaking something for the occasion, I want to take this opportunity to start a two-part series called A Jesus Paradigm. Now, here's the deal. As Christians, there should be some distinctives about who we are. Amen. Our salvation literally shifts us from one nature to another, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, from being dead to being alive, from being bound to being free. And the difference is so vast that people should notice it. This transformation isn't just internal, but it reaches out to the external such that our attitudes, our actions, um, has to undergo a transformation as well. In fact, the New Testament talks about it this way, and I want to read you two passages of scriptures. The first in 1 Corinthians is in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 to 11, where Paul says this, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Again, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13, Paul, describing himself, said this, Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent or violent, arrogant man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. You see, there should be a clear, observable difference once we become born again. While salvation is an act, inward act of faith with an outward confession, the result of salvation is emphasized over and over again as something observable in terms of our actions as well as our attitudes. Now, nowhere is this made clearer than in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, where Jesus spoke on the Sermon on the Mount. Now, this sermon is so important in terms of defining for us the standards that now govern those of us who are born again, who are no longer citizens of this world, but are citizens of the kingdom of God. Now, as citizens of His kingdom, several changes must take place that will fundamentally redefine how we see things and how we do things. Now, this is what I want to focus on in this two-part series. You know, the truth is this, when Christians misbehave and we act in a way that is contrary to the fabric of who Jesus is, it brings great disrepute to the church. Like it or not, the moment that you're known as a Christian, you will be scrutinized if you come late to the office, if your work is shoddy, if you drive aggressively, if you retaliate in anger, if you break the law, if you play politics, if you lack integrity in your actions. Now, all these things cause the Lord's name to be blasphemed and to be degraded. 
You know, at the same time, it isn't about artificially engineering our behaviour to look good only in front of people. But instead, it is about understanding what the Lord requires of us. It is about having some major changes in our mindsets about how God's kingdom works and seeing how dramatically different it is from the systems that this world functions under. Now, for this weekend, I want to focus on a few things that the Lord said in the Sermon on the Mount that I believe helps us understand God's concept of justice. This is what I want to look at this weekend. Heaven's concept of justice. You see, society can only thrive if there is a functioning system of justice. Uh, much of the system of justice that is uh, in the world today operates under one that is based on Judeo-Christian values and that comes particularly from the Old Testament. Now, these include attributing guilt and punishment based on intent or the principle of an eye for an eye in determining penalties that should be meted out or the onus of responsibility that we have for one another and for other people. Now, many of the laws uh, in the Old Testament forms the basis for a legal system that is just and equitable that is being practiced all over the world. Now, for society to function properly, there has to be a codified system of law that leads to a just, impartial, and equitable outcome for the members of the society. No, without this, there would be anarchy and absolute disorder. Society would be ruled by the strong or by tyrants who impose their whim and fancy on the rest of the populace. However, you know, Jesus tells us, that his kingdom doesn't just operate on the justice system of this world, but it operates at a higher level of justice than what the system of the world practices. Now, let's take a look at this. Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 to verse 42. Jesus said this. He said, You have heard that it, is, it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person, for whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. If, some, if anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Now, honestly, this is quite a radical statement that Jesus is making. Now, if we implement what Jesus tells us to do here, I promise you, you will be robbed, you will be taken advantage of, and you'll be left with neither dignity nor property. And yet, at the same time, when we read what Jesus said, there is somehow an innate sense of agreement that this is truly a statement of profound virtue. So how do we reconcile this? And I want to do this by helping us break this down a little bit and looking at justice from a few different perspectives. The first is to consider the perspective of seeking justice for others. Now, when it comes to seeking justice for others, the Bible exhorts us that we should do that. Psalms 80, uh, uh, 82 verses 3 to verse 4 says this, Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Free them from the hand of the wicked. Again, in Isaiah 1 verse 17, it says, Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rebuke the oppressor. Defend the fatherless. Plead for the widows. And so there is an exaltation for us that we ought to seek justice for those who are in a place of being unjustly treated. Now, the basis for justice can be found in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, where God determined to create men, women uh, in His own image. This single act of creation makes every person 
of equal value. Yale philosopher Nicholas uh, Walterdorf said, all of us have great and equal worth, the worth of being made in the image of God and of being loved redemptively by God. It was John F. Kennedy who famously said these words, the revolutionary beliefs for which our forebears fought, that the rights of man comes not from the generosity of the state, but from the hand of God. Now, it is on this basis that we seek justice because every person, regardless of race, gender, colour or creed, deserves equal dignity and carries the same worth before the eyes of God. Every person's salvation required the same equal payment in the blood of Jesus Christ. No one cost less and neither were there anyone that cost more. Jesus paid the same price for every person that ever lived before, presently, and in future. Now, the second perspective for us to consider is, what about seeking justice for ourselves? You know, the Scriptures do indicate that there is a place for seeking justice for ourselves. The parable of the persistent widow in Luke chapter 18, you know, the parable, we are to, uh, the widow, we are told uh, that she cried out to the judge. And this is what she cried out for. She said, get justice for me from my adversary. She was not rebuked for doing so, but in fact, she portrays for us an example of persistence. Now, on the other hand, take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 7 to 8. And Paul is speaking here and he says, Now therefore, it is already an utter failure for you that you go to law against one another. Why do you not rather accept wrong? Why do you not rather let yourselves be cheated? No, you yourselves do wrong and cheat, and you do these things to your brothers. Now, in this second passage, seeking justice for self is not commended, but instead it is condemned. Now, my conclusion to you is this, that when it comes to seeking justice for ourselves, the Bible is a little ambiguous. But what is more important for us uh, is to consider the next part or the next perspective concerning justice. And I call this doing justice, not just seeking justice for others, not seeking justice for ourselves, but doing justice. You see, doing justice is what is at the heart of what Jesus was speaking to us about in Matthew chapter 5. You see, to seek justice for others, it doesn't require for us to give up anything that is of our own rights or our own privileges. We can extend help to others. We can speak up for others. We can give assistance to others because we are in a better position than they are. And hence, our ability to help others and to fight for them. But what Jesus is asking us to do in Matthew 5 is to surrender the sense of what is our rights and any sense of what we are deserving of. I want to give us some personal examples from my own life, okay? In this year, you know, I would be uh, full-time ministry 20 years in Cornerstone. And, uh, but in the earlier years in full-time, we all took huge pay cuts in order to come into full-time ministry. When this happened initially, I was really happy to do that. Coming into full-time was a dream come true for me. But as time went on, I began to think to myself, hey, I deserve more. You know, and perhaps in everybody else's eyes, I was laboring and I was sacrificing. But in those times, deep in my heart, I felt that I deserved more than what I was being paid. And I was struggling financially a lot of times. But in the end, there came a point of time where I had to come to a place where I understood that full-time was a calling. It was not a job, and it was a privilege. It was not a punishment. I needed to lay down my sense of what is my right, what I felt like I deserved, and I had to check my heart over and over again. You see, the truth is that 
I don't deserve anything, neither do you. Jesus deserves everything from me because He gave His life for me. He purchased me with His blood. I'm not in full-time ministry to serve people. I'm here to serve the Lord by serving the people. Now, while it is right for me to be salaried and paid, but I have to surrender the rights to debt and the expectations of, of, you know, of what I should be paid. This is what it means to surrender our rights. Now, here's another example from my own personal life. Our family, you know, uh, made a decision about four years ago to become, foster, to become a foster family and that's where we started. We started doing it because we had a love for children and we wanted to do, we wanted to help. We came from a point of view whereby, you know, we felt that we could do more. We saw that there was something extra beyond what we were currently doing and uh, we wanted to do that, we wanted to go that extra mile. But you know, when you're doing justice and not just seeking justice, our perspective has to change. And what happens is that fostering is no longer something extra that we can do. Instead, it is something that we are required to do. We are required to do because we have surrendered our rights and our choice. It is not about us condescending to do something extra, but the children themselves, they have a right to make a demand on us to serve them and to help them. Now, this is a fundamental change in mentality, in our paradigm. It isn't about being slapped or about being taken advantage of but it is about whether do we still carry with us a sense that this is my right, you know, or do we live in a state where all our rights have been surrendered to God and He can make any demands on us through the people that He sends to us. Amen. Now, I know that this is very, very challenging to live in this way. But I want to say this, to say anything lesser, to require anything lesser, is to adulterate the Word of God and to lessen the power of the seed of Christ that has been planted in every one of us when we were born again. Now, if, this, if there is a word or a biblical virtue that describes this state of surrender, then it has got to be the virtue or the word meekness. The antithesis, the antithesis of meekness is to fight for our rights. Jesus did no wrong, yet willingly permitted Himself to be punished and crucified. He did so by surrendering Himself to the Father, acknowledging that the Father has every right to demand anything from Him, even the yielding up of His life. Now, I want to point us to two scriptures that talks about meekness, and I want to just explain that to us. The first is found in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to verse 29. You know, and Jesus said these words. He says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke from you and learn from me. And, hear, and listen to this. This is what Jesus says. He says, For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Now, I like to paraphrase uh, this, okay? So forgive me, but I want to specifically paraphrase this uh, from an understanding or from the perspective of meekness. So think about this. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you are weary and you are tired and you are weary and tired because you've been fighting for your own rights. You've been seeking justice for yourself. But come to me, learn from me, particularly these two qualities, my meekness and my humility. Both of these qualities compel me to give up my rights, to turn the other cheek and to take the low road. These qualities compel me not to think uh, that I deserve or I'm in a place to demand. And for you, likewise, the old, only by doing the same and by surrendering can you really find true rest and peace of mind. 
This is the Lord's invitation for us to embrace meekness and humility as a way of life. Now consider also Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, where Jesus said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now the system of this world dictates that if we want to possess, then we have to fight for what is ours. But in the kingdom of God, the opposite is true. By giving up our rights instead of losing, we end up inheriting. This is how God's justice looks like. This is how we ought to also understand, see, and practice justice in our lives, you know, as Christians. Now, I want to give us some suggestions, some simple application uh, for us, okay, uh, to this message. I want to ask us to look out for moments when we feel a sense that we have not been treated justly. You know, if you feel at any point of time that, you know, you're unjustly treated, you know, that's a moment to watch out for. Look out also for moments where, you know, we get upset and we get angry, you know, and we are about to lodge some kind of a complaint to some, uh, some people, you know, or some department or the authorities. How about times when we feel that we have not been heard or we have been misunderstood? Now, here's another important moment to watch out for when we feel the right to demand for something, okay? Now, these are moments where our sense of entitlement and rights surface. You know, while I'm not recommending that you should immediately turn the other cheek or allow yourself to be taken advantage of, nonetheless, these are moments that we should pause and we should ask the Lord how He wants us to respond. Right? When our rights are being infringed, it's an important moment to ask, Lord, what do you want me to do? Oswald Chambers uh, famously said this. He said, the only right a Christian has is the right to give up his rights. Now, this is a paradigm that will redefine who we are. This is a paradigm that Jesus adopted and that made him so different and, and, you know, and, and as such, so effective. You know, I want to really challenge us this weekend to allow Jesus to change our mindsets, amen. To welcome the Lord and says, Lord, would you help me understand? Would you help me go beyond just seeking justice for others or even for myself, especially for myself? But by doing justice, by learning to walk in justice, you know, in surrendering my life. It's Malachi chapter 6, verse 8 that says this, He has shown you, O man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to do justly? to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Now, this is only possible for us, not just seek justice, not just, you know, but to do justice if we would embrace the mindset that we have surrendered our rights to the Lord. We do not demand nor expect to be treated rightly. Instead, we live to express who the Lord is. Then we shall know how to respond in each situation that we are confronted in. Then can we manifest the Lord to, the, to a world that needs to see Him in action and not just hear about Him. Church, I want to commend this to your consideration, that the Lord wants to change the way that we think. Amen. And until our minds are changed, until we think differently, our actions cannot come in line with what God requires of us. Let's pray and close this time, and I'd like to pray for us. Father, I thank You, Lord, for Your Word. I thank You that Jesus came and lived a very radical and different life for us. And He demonstrated for us a standard that is beyond reach, O oh God. But it is, not be, it is beyond reach by our own strength, but it is not beyond reach when You have given us revelation, transformed the way we think, and given us grace, Lord, to live in the same manner as Jesus lives, Lord. I pray, O oh God, that as we hear Thy Word, Lord, this weekend, Lord, that we would open our hearts to You, O oh God. 
Father, that we would come to a place where you would speak in a convicting manner, in a real way, in a revelatory manner to us, Lord. To lay our rights down, Lord. To lay every demand that we have, O oh God. To realize that when someone slaps us on the right, that we would have the ability to turn the left to them as well. When, demanded for our, uh, when our tunics are demanded from us, that we would be at a place that we would be willing to give up our cloak as well, Lord. To go the extra mile, O oh God. And Father, that requires an inward change, Lord, an inward transformation, O oh God. And I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, the power of your word that is preached, that goes forth and does not return to you void, that you would change us as we yield our hearts, as we open our hearts to you, Lord. Change the way we think. Transform us, Lord, from the inside out, Lord. That we would not just talk about Jesus, but we would demonstrate who Jesus is to this world that needs to see the Lord. And we pray and ask this, uh, in, the, in the wonderful name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we say, Amen. Amen. You've just listened to a production of Cornerstone Community Church. Please note that all unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or sale of the recording is prohibited. For permission to reproduce or distribute the sermon, please write into mail at cscc.org.sg. We hope that you have been blessed.